Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. <clears throat> Great to be here today on the first show of spring this year. It's a good time of year. Happy spring, Eric. Happy spring, Julie. What a fantastic season to take your dog for a walk. It is. It is arguably one of the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love spring. You know, and spring is really loaded. You know, one of the things that you love, like spring is in the air. Yes. Of course, talking about scent. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of the things I love about spring is you can you can smell it, you know. You can it, smell it. You can see it. Guess who else can smell it? Well, of course, our <laughs> canine friends. <laughs> yeah. They can smell all the seasons. Yeah. So happy spring. Loving the light, you know. It's like it was 7.15 yesterday, and I was right. like, it's still totally light out. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. You know, I work a later shift, so getting home when it's still daylight is a huge thing yeah. for me. And then actually being able to get out for a stroll, yeah. uh, you know, after work, that's so nice. Do you have any <laughs> um, scent hound company with you when you go out for a stroll after work? <laughs> as much as I can get uh, Abby the Beagle to go out on walks these days. She's, she's getting older, so she's yeah. a little bit tired. So sometimes she's not as excited as she used to be, but... Uh, when she's ready for it, uh, she still loves a good walk. Yeah, nice. So. Well, oh, it's nice to kind of slow it down a little bit today. Don't have a guest. I don't even know when the last time that happened was. And uh, I've got some great uh, client stories to share, which will be um, very informative. So it's a great way to deliver <clears throat> information about dog behavior that... Mm -hmm. People may, uh, you know, might resonate for you and your dog as you're listening or something to keep in mind as you live, live your life with your dog and as your dog ages. Um, everything from puppies to older dogs. I've got some great examples that um, I'm going to share today. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, you're the owner and operator of Sensitive Dog. That's right. And you... you uh, how would you describe it? Training, working with, uh, yeah, it's like coach. <laughs> coach is a good word. Um, so working with all types of dogs and all types of people, and um, you know anything from ha have a new puppy and want to get off on the right foot to, oftentimes um, people have a behavioral challenge that they're struggling with, mm -hmm. um, a lot of uh, aggression and anxiety. Um, stuff like that, and, um, you know, all ages of dogs and um, seeing people either, you know, if they're local in our training studio, which is in Seattle, and also um, working with people all over the country via Skype and phone consultations as well. Um, I've been working with dogs for over 15 years, so there's a lot of challenges that I can actually um, pretty well at least assess and give people a kind of point them at least in the right direction, um, especially around behavioral stuff, because that's where it gets tricky. Right. And every dog is different. And there's a lot of dog trainers, but there's not as many people who are equipped to work with behavior, especially aggression and, and anxiety when it gets a little bit more severe. So 
available for consultation and coaching um, both locally here in the Seattle area and nationally. And if you'd like to get in touch with me around that, you can email me at julie at sensitivedog.com or you can call 206-372-7399. And that email again is julie at sensitivedog.com. And even if you're not sure if you know you benefit, just give a call or get in touch and we can chat and see if, uh, if I think uh, I can help, which I probably can. It's good work. Working with dogs, I mean, it doesn't get any better. Well, and then having the show is pretty awesome too. So yeah, that sounds like it sounds like a dream job for a lot of people. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I have a uh, some of my clients. Um, it's nice because it balances the, you know, it's not always fun because there's, right. you know, it's, a lot of times it's scary. I mean, there's there's aggression and and when you're working with a dog who's potentially going to bite you or another dog, you know, I'm an animal also, so I feel that, you know, when it's Especially when it's really serious, when I feel afraid, that's when I really know, ooh, right. this is, we got to be careful. That's um, a good point. So, you know, and the, the more I do this, the more I get those cases. Um, and I'm really, you know, grateful for the opportunity to help people who really need it. Because in the, some cases, the dogs have to be euthanized because their aggression is not, um, not something that we can make enough progress with to make the dog safe. And the dog is actually really dangerous, has, you know, in, in some cases, you know, have had some really bad, you know, severe damage to children, have killed other dogs, you know. So you, it's, it can get heavy. And it's really nicely balanced with puppies. I had a nine-week-old Shiba Inu puppy yesterday, and I have another one today. I'm going to have to look that up because I'm not sure. I can't picture a Shiba Inu in my mind. <laughs> what do you say? I just like hearing you say Shiba Inu. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun um, to say. They are, um, they look, you should check, look it up. They're like, look like a, a lot of people say they look like a little fox. They're a little spitz breed, cheeky little face. They're adorable. They're also a more feral breed. So they're more, they're sort of cat like, more independent. Uh, they don't wear their emotions all over themselves, like, you know, to, to generalize, like a Labrador or something like that. They always have this sort of cute little expression, but you have to know what you're doing with them, that's for <laughs> right. sure. That could probably be deceiving sometimes, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, because they're so cute, and the puppies are just insane. I mean, puppies are insanely cute anyway, but sheep of puppies are pretty ridiculous. So. I like the uh, the curled tail. Yes, yeah, they're cute. So I have another Sheba puppy uh, this afternoon from the same litter. I'm connected with um, one of the top breeders in the country. I think she actually played a part in bringing the breed over here from Japan, Sanjo Kennels, and uh, she has really nice dogs. So it's um, great to work with her puppies. Um, so, yeah, and the other thing in addition to puppies, because sometimes puppies are tough, is uh, also working with dogs who... Where the owners just want to, you know, learn how to connect with them and and uh, give them opportunities to um, problem solve and figure, you know, do puzzles and nose work. And there's all this whole category of product now of all these different, like almost like doggy board games in a way, except you know they don't play with each other. Um, things they have to figure out how to flip up the the lid or slide the thing or pull the top off of something, you know, to get to a treat or spin the bottle so the treats fall out. And then, of course, there's nose work, which I've actually talked about a, n a number of times on the show. 
And you can look up those conversations in our archives, uh, both on our website, dogradioshow.com, and on iTunes. I've talked with Miriam Rose, who is a um, certified nose work instructor and also professional scent detection trainer and handler. And uh, it's really, really, really fun. That's like the most universal thing that any you could do with any dog, any breed, any age um, nose work. They love it because... Dogs, you know, to be a dog is to use your nose to find something that you want. And a lot of times when dogs are doing that in life, they're getting in trouble for it. Getting into the garbage, getting into your purse and finding that piece of candy you had in there, the yeah. cookie or whatever, right? Um, so they don't Christmas get... presents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they don't get to experience that really fundamental part of themselves in a, in a constructive way. They're, you know, um, and I'm actually... That's going to come up in uh, my examples today from talking about some of my clients. I do want to say, though, if you are, well, I guess even if you're anywhere in the country, come on out for it because it's worth the trip. The Vashon Sheepdog Trials this year, June 8th through 11th, already one of my favorite, if not actually my favorite event in the area. I've gone for years, several years and have worked with Maggie McClure, the coordinator, in um, helping to grow and uh, and promote the event over the years. I've had her on the show a couple times. I've had other guests related to the uh, trials. Bill Burhow, that was a really great conversation. I need to um, air that again, uh, maybe closer to the trials. Really, really awesome conversation about working with dogs and the partnership and um, and. Uh, Donald McCaig, who's an author, a uh, really fun guy, uh, great books too. I interviewed him a couple years ago this year, and also have done the interviews at the trials. This year, we are bringing Temple Grandin to the trials, so she's going to be there on Sunday. She's actually going to be on Vashon Saturday night giving a talk at the Vashon Center for the Arts. I believe that is already sold out, which is not surprising. Um, but you can check on that, and I will probably have some tickets to give away to listeners. So stay tuned over the next couple months, because um, if you are really bummed that you didn't, you know, miss the opportunity to purchase tickets for that, you'll have an opportunity to uh, win some on the show. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, then Sunday, June 11th, she's going to be at the trials. Um, I'm going to do an interview with her. Um, Sunday, probably sometime between 12 and 2, um, would be my guess. Uh, and I'll be interviewing her at the trial. She'll be signing books, so you have an opportunity to meet her there, too. So one thing about Sunday trials, though, is to buy your tickets in advance because they are probably going to have to turn people away, and we would hate to have to do that. But they're already almost at capacity at the trials in past years. And so with Temple Grandin being there, uh, they might actually have to limit the number of people. Um, so buy your tickets in advance. Go to VashonSheepdogClassic.com for more information. Get your tickets for that event. It's such an awesome event without Temple Grandin being there. And having her there this year is just amazing. So really looking forward to that. That's VashonSheepdogClassic.com. Vashon is V-A-S-H-O-N. So we've done some shows over the years where I've either had a guest and we've talked about um, dog behavior and training, which we were talking earlier is my area of expertise. 
and have worked with people and dogs um, in the Seattle area and now nationally via Skype and phone consultations um, just to help people who are having challenges with their dog. Every dog is different. And this industry is like, has in an identity crisis, I think. There's so much information out there. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are, you know, do well, who are sort of researchers. So they, you know, read and read and read and read online and books and and they come to me and they end up more confused than they were when they started because there's so much conflicting information. Don't do this, do that, you know, no, do this, don't do that, no, you know, don't do those, do this. And and it's like, well, what do I, you know, they just end up so confused. What what do I do? I don't want to cause any damage, but sometimes not resolving the problem causes damage. So being ineffective causes damage as much as poor training techniques or techniques that are applied to the wrong dog. So important. Every dog is different. Um, that's why it's, it's, you know, to get a sense for the individual. What's going on for that dog? Who is that dog? What is, how sensitive is that dog? What motivates that dog? Um, how is that dog feeling? What's that dog's past experience? What's that dog's genetics? Um, who is that dog's owner? Uh, definitely a big part of the conversation. So it's just so important, you know, if you're confused and you're trying to research, you know, um, and get information and you just end up more confused, um, you know, feel free to get in touch and I can definitely help steer you at least in the right direction, if not give you guidance to resolve your behavior problem completely. Or maybe you don't have a behavior problem. Maybe you just you know, have a couple little things that you'd like to work on or, you know, want to know want to know how to connect with your dog in a way of, of working with them and how to do that and what are the ways to do that. Um, so, again, you can reach me, julie at sensitivedog.com, and also you can reach me by phone, 206-372-7399. So I'm going to start off talking about Piper, who was adopted at about seven or eight months old, She's this little, like, little slight sort of sight hound type body. So that's like a, like a whippet, Italian greyhound, greyhound, like those really um, thin, longer legs, you know, deeper chest, thin waist. Um, she's got that build, uh, which is, but she's a mix. And I don't even know what she's mixed with. She could be mixed with a whole bunch of things. And that's actually really common for um, mixed breeds or especially... Um, breeds that are more truly more feral, like uh, that are just a mix, 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 mix. They often have those sort of sight hound type bodies, which makes sense because they're a very old, old type of dog. Um, but she's now one and she's a timid girl. And it's a combination, uh, certainly genetically. So her temperament is that she's timid. And then as a, as a rescue, we don't really know what her past experience was. So we also don't know if she's had some experience that causes her to be timid also. Um, sometimes dogs can act like they've been mistreated and they haven't necessarily been mistreated just because of their genetic temperament. Um, and other times they have been and they have a reason to feel the way that they do because of past experience. So it's usually a combination of the two. Timid little girl, very smart, um, so along with that, t 
timid personality. She also has a, a very busy mind. And the one, one example that I wanted to point out about Piper, and I've been working with um, her and her um, owner for several weeks, uh, getting her on the right track. And this was a woman who I actually met with her past dog who, when she brought me in, the dog was older. So this was maybe a couple years ago. And we only needed to meet once, and she just got the answers that she needed to understand why her dog was doing what she was doing, and we were good to go. And then her dog passed away from old age, and then she got this new dog, and she got back in touch. So we're working again with her new dog. And there's one um, one example of her life with Piper and getting her settled in that um, I wanted to point out that I think is important for people to be aware of. So um, we established that she, she doesn't mind if Piper's on the couch, but she sort of, Piper's a really kind of pausey, like she uses her paws a lot and she gets up in your space and so she's like, well, I don't mind her on the couch, but she gets, she's all over me. So it's kind of like, well, how do we kind of put some boundaries in place, but not have to just not let her up on the couch at all. So what we did was we, she put a blanket, I think it's a sectional couch, and there was one one part of the sectional that she put a blanket on, and that was Piper's section. And then if her owner wanted to get up, you know, and snuggle with her, then she could go sit next to Piper and, you know, have body contact and all that, all that good stuff. So she, you know, showed Piper that that was her place and, you know, um, made it a really great spot and, you know, oh, good job, and so spent some time sort of with positive reinforcement, um, showing her this is your place and isn't that such a great place and, you know, sometimes you get treats when you're on your place and just so that the place was a great place to be. But what Piper would do is that when her owner would go out of sight, like go into the kitchen to get a drink or, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever, Piper would jump onto the part of the couch where she's not supposed to be. She's sneaky. And then the owner would come back and see her there, and then there would be some sort of exclamation, you know, now we're off or whatever, and Piper would hop, hop back over to her her side or, you know, jump off the couch and then get back on her side. So this was kind of something that the owner had tried to correct but hadn't been successful. So, like I said, so it's like, okay, well, why is she doing that? Why is the dog doing that? Because she's clearly waiting, like she's waiting. She knows that as soon as her owner is out of sight, she gets to go on the other side of the, you know, the other part of the couch and then her owner comes back and whatever the response that she's getting from her human isn't effectively negating that behavior. So it, she's not, she, she's continuing to do the behavior. So that lets us know something's you know, we're not being effective. So dogs will always let us know how effective we're being based off of how the, what they're doing and how they're doing it. So it was like, okay, well, and then she also had some other, she also had some other sneaky behaviors and she's a timid dog. So she's not like a bullish sort of, you know, uh, she's kind of got a timid personality. So, but she's so it's like, okay, well, why is she doing this? And then she's got this, this she does over here. She had a little bit of sneaky house training that was happening. Sneaky, sneaky. Well, as I said earlier, she has a busy mind. And like very, very busy, very, very smart dog. Like you, 
you know, we'd, we'd, we did a lot of puzzles and nose work and games and stuff like that. And she'd figure them out like that, like super fast. So it's just really, really sharp mind and very busy. And so she was using her intelligence to figure out how to get away with stuff. It takes being smart to be sneaky because you're calculating. Where is my opportunity? It's now. And then, you know, they're going to go and do it, whether it's stealing something off of a counter or getting on the part of the couch that you're not supposed to get on or whatever. So busy, busy, busy mind. So, okay. And also the, 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 the way that her owner was trying to correct the behavior wasn't being effective either. You know, she was coming back in and probably scolding her and the dog just, you know, flushed off of the couch and then it was like, whatever, you know, nothing actually really happened that was meaningful to the dog. So and the timing of that would have been off, even if it was a bigger correction, because it was when the owner came back. So if you're going to effectively negate the behavior, it would actually have to happen as soon as the dog jumped on the other side of the couch, not after she's been there for three minutes and the owner has come back. That's not good timing. So there's two parts to this. The first part, and it's in in order of importance. The first part is to make sure that that dog's mental energy needs are being met. So I've talked about this a ton over the years, and I, I have this conversation weekly, if not daily, <laughs> with people and their dogs. And there's another example I'm going to give today, too. And it, it just always applies. Dogs and people have been living together. Eric, do you remember this by now? How long? <laughs> it's like, for you know, since the dawn of man, essentially, but uh, like 4,000 years or something like that? Um, 40. 40,000 years. Yes. Wow. Yeah, you, you, were, you remembered the four part. 40,000 years. Now, that's the most commonly accepted number in science. Some people speculate it was maybe even longer than that. Mm -hmm. But confidently... 40,000 years. We think about that. 40,000, you know, what other relationship do we have with an animal except, I don't know, not even livestock because we weren't even doing that 40,000, right. you know, hunter-gatherer kind of thing. So people and dogs have a pretty special relationship, pretty unique relationship, and the nature of the relationship has been working together until recently. And this is a very busy sharp dog who has a mind that's moving real fast and she has a higher need for that uh, for an outlet for that mental energy so we we want to first make sure okay if the root of this behavior why is she motivated to do this is because she gets to be smart fundamentally why is she doing this behavior what's motivating it it's not because that side of the couch is more comfortable than the other side that she's on it's the same couch She's doing it just because it's kind of fun to be sneaky and she gets to be smart. So we want to make sure, before we talk about correcting that undesirable behavior, we want to make sure that we're meeting her mental energy needs. The ways that we accomplish this are through obedience training, teaching her the basics, sit down, stay, wait, leave it, go to your bed, you know, come, how to walk on leash, all of those things require, if they're done properly and not just done because you're holding a treat and luring the dog the whole time, is asking the dog to think and make choices. So 
that's a one way to engage her brain. And through obedience training is also a great um, context to establish some healthy relationship dynamics, um, specifically just around leadership and authority. So it's not about being a bully or, you know, being intimidating or having this militant relationship with your dog. But it is about making sure that they respect you and that they learn how to listen to you when you need them to. Kind of like how parents need their kids to respect them and listen to them when they need them to. We are responsible for our dogs. Therefore, we are in charge and we need to accept this. You know, and people are like, oh, I know I need to be alpha and alpha this and alpha that and dominance and blah, blah, er, er, er. And it's like, well, those are a little bit disconnected and have a, such a negative association and are also so misunderstood that I don't even like to use those words. But it is important to have respect. Respect goes both ways also. So respect can be established respectfully, but it should be established. So there's the training, but then it's nice. I like to balance the obedience training part of it with other types of work that you can do with your dog that aren't about you controlling your dog. Nose work, the dog is in the lead. So that's scent detection training for fun. I can't recommend it enough. It's available all over the country and probably I'm sure in other countries as well, we have listeners from other countries, find a nose work class and take it. You won't regret it. Your dog will love it. And you don't, if your dog's reactive towards other dogs, the good news is that only one dog is in the classroom at a time. So that takes care of that. And then there's also puzzles and um, these kind of different games where the dog learns to like hit, hit a bottle that's um, like a plastic bottle that's got holes drilled in the side so it goes through um, like a dowel and spins um, and you put like put treats in the bottle and then have a have a hole in the cap so the treats can fall out but not too easily so the dog learns through a, tra- a process of training spin the bottle and then the treats fall out or there's all these other ones my gosh there's so many now some of them are a little too easy um, so You'll have to kind of play with different ones. You know, be careful of ones where they just have to do one thing, like they just slide the piece, slide the piece over and it uncovers the treat. Well, they're going to figure that out pretty fast. And then once they figure it out, it's not hard. So I like that bottle spinning one. And we've actually, I, I need to post uh, some pictures. Um, actually, we call it spin the bottle, which is kind of funny. Um, I should post some pictures of it because we've actually had some friends make us some. Because the, it based off of one that we bought, but the one that we bought was not designed to handle dogs smacking the thing, and it eventually broke. So we have a sturdy one that we made. Um, and then there's other ones, too, that are fun. Uh, there's one brand called Trixie Dog that we like, T-R-I-X-I-E. And the one that we like the best from them is called the Poker Box. Poker, like as in the game. And it's red and yellow. And it has four different boxes on the board and they each do a different thing the dog has to do a different thing on each one and we've gotten some good mileage out of that one so just a tip on that so first need to meet her mental energy needs make sure that 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 fundamental need is being met because that energy has to go somewhere so we can't just cut off the outlet that she's made up for herself and then expect her to just be well-behaved because that energy has got to go somewhere. So we want to make sure that she's learning how to focus that mental energy in a constructive way. That also has an overall calming grounding effect on the dog, which just 
makes them easier to be around. They're more tired. They're more satisfied. And you're giving that, that intelligence a constructive outlet. So once we can check that off and make sure that we're meeting the mental energy needs, then we can talk about correcting the undesirable behavior and just having there be a consequence, simple, direct consequence that is just negative enough so that the dog thinks about what she did that caused it and understands, oh, when I jump on the other side of the couch, for example. So what I had her owner do was just set her up because, as I said, the timing has to be precise, so important with corrections. So I just had her use a squirt bottle with water. It's not going to hurt her, but I'd say a majority of dogs don't like being squirted in the face with water. Who Uh, does, though? (laughs) My black lab, Pixie. She liked it? She loves it. Hmm. With a hose, with a nozzle. I I think that's different, though, because they think like, oh, I'm getting a drink. But if it's just that annoying, like spritz in the face. I mean, So that is a good point. And I think that that is true in some cases. In Pixie's case. She just loved it no matter what. Yeah, she's kind of a (laughs) bruiser, though. She's we we call her a wrecking ball. So Uh, if it's a squirt with a squirt bottle uh, or, or a hose blasted in the face, it's all fun for her. She's such a water dog. Our yellow lab, though, JJ, my baby boy. He's a sensitive boy, and mm-hmm. he it would be the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Squirt bottle. Terrible. So, But I think most dogs don't like a squirt bottle. Yeah. The only way to find out is to try it. So a piper, I'm assuming, did not like she it. Did not, no, <laughs> she did not like the squirt bottle. So I had her mom set her up for it so that she was ready. So she was like, do-do-do, I'm leaving now, knowing that Piper was going to try to get on the couch but then was ready and then just fl- as like kind of like, you know, peered around the corner and as soon as she jumped over she just ran back in and ambushed her with the squirt bottle squirted her told her no and that's it and so the dog's like okay got it and and then of course you know positive reinforcement for being on her spot and always balancing balancing that and making sure that we're first meeting her needs before we talk about correcting the undesirable behaviors because if you just got you know took out the that behavior should come up with another one that was as naughty, if not even more undesirable. So, um, and, uh, you know, and she's gaining confidence with all this work and, you know, great at nose work and all these puzzles. And, um, and so she's doing really great and they're set, settling into their life together and, and, you know, they're doing great. So with that one, it's, it's the reason I think the, the main point that I, want you guys to get out of that one is the reason why she was doing that behavior. Why was she jumping onto that part of the couch? What was motivating her as a dog to do that? Why are you doing that? It's because she. it's a way to be smart. And I see that a lot in, in various uh, various forms. So making sure that you're meeting your dog's mental energy needs. So that was Piper. Um, let's take a break, and um, when I come back, I'm going to talk about the 12-week-old Border Collie puppy who has a barking, had, I should say, <laughs> a barking problem, and we'll talk about that and uh, older, and then a couple older dogs, too. So we've got a couple youngs and a couple olds 
We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. I say flip it. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 26th, it's an encore presentation of Talk With Your Animals Sunday with gifted animal communicator, medium, and Reiki master Darcy Pariso. Darcy helps listeners talk with and learn about their animal friends and helps them connect with their animal or human loved ones on this side and the other. Listen for the first time or enjoy it again. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> Conversations Live with Vicki Sinclair airs live every Monday at noon. And now you can also catch the show during drive time at 6 a.m. every Friday. Hear from New York Times bestselling authors, innovative business leaders, cutting-edge health and wellness professionals, award-winning journalists, filmmakers, explorers, and adventurers. Tune in to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. Right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, sharing some client stories 
from my work here in the Seattle area and also consulting nationally via Skype and the good old telephone for dog behavior, training, uh, challenges that you might be having. Maybe you've been trying to research. Maybe you've even met with several trainers and haven't had success. Unfortunately, I've met with a lot of those types of people, and I'm sure that I can help you at least get you pointed in the right direction, if not resolve your behavior entirely. So you can get in touch with me, Julie, at sensitivedog.com or by phone 206-372-7399. So I was talking about a little smarty pants piper in uh, the first segment there. Now there's a little border collie puppy that I've uh, just started working with as well. He's 12 weeks old, uh, I guess maybe 13 weeks by now. And he barks, bark, 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 bark. He barks when one of his owners is in another part of the house. I bet his neighbors love him. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, they don't live in a high-rise condo like a lot of my clients do. That makes the barking especially stressful. Uh, barking when they're prepping food. Barking when one of their other border collies is being played with. And those are three different contexts. So... Barking can happen, you know, what do I do when my, you know, my dog barks? And it's like, well, I need to know more. Because <laughs> it's like saying, you know, my child is talking. How do I, you know, well, what are they saying? What's the context? So barking when the owner is in another part of the house is controlling. So I don't want you over there. I want you over here. Get back over here. And then a lot of times, by accident or even in an effort to try to correct the behavior, we actually end up reinforcing it. And so it continues. The second one, barking when the owner is prepping food. Now, this brings up an important point, and I'm so glad that I'm saying this in today's show for people who have puppies, especially hungry puppies are not easy puppies. Hungry puppies can actually act aggressive. Um, and I have seen this over the years. I worked with a, she was also, she was, a, I think she was 11 weeks old. This was several years ago. Standard poodle puppy starting to act aggressive to the owner. And you don't usually see like actual aggression from puppies. And that dog ended up, she was just, you know, beside herself and I went and met the dog and um, shortly after I got there I you know while I had my hands on her just touching her I felt a very bony back and saw a very big belly so she felt thin but her belly was huge what do you know she had a belly full of worms stealing the nutrition from the food she was eating and Owner took the dog to the, or, you know, brought a stool sample in, sure enough, had worms, dewormed her, and the aggression went away. Do not underestimate how being hungry can impact the behavior of a puppy. Think of a hungry baby, right? Not happy. So have that on your radar. Um, I got that, and in, in the case of this poodle, she was feeding her like crazy. So it was the worms that were stealing the nutrition from the body. So she was feeling like deeply hungry. You know, she had a belly full, but was, you know, her body was just, ah, and that was just making her crazy. And that was the root of her aggression. 
Uh, this little guy, I with sort of that, you know, frantic. He was doing barking otherwise, but I I talked about that with his owners and said, start feed him more because he wasn't overweight at all. You know, he's a border collie, so they have a lighter, you know, a lighter frame. So you're not going to see, you shouldn't see a thick border collie like you might a, a, a more stocky breed. Um, but still, maybe he's a little hungry and maybe that's that's giving him an edge at feeding. Maybe he's feeling desperate at mealtime and maybe that's why he's freaking out at you. So feed him more. Um, so make sure that that's covered. Um, and then the other time that he barks is when the other Border Collie is being played with. So that's sort of questionably, is he trying to control the interaction or is he actually getting overstimulated? Because the way that the other Border Collie plays is very like intense and really drivey. So drivey is like, um, like it's sort of like an inten- instinctive intensity. So a high drive dog has an intensity about them. A high drive herding breed has an intense herding instinct. Um, a high drive dogs are usually dogs that are used to work. Professionals, search and rescue, um, police dogs. Those kinds of dogs that'll just go, 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 you know, get the ball, chase the ball, chase the ball, chase the ball, chase the ball until, you know, from sun up to sundown. Those are the dogs that they're going to use for search and rescue or drug detection or whatever, because they're going to be able to do that work. They're going to have the stamina and the intensity to focus and do the work. Um, So the way that the other Border Collie plays is a little drivey, too. So maybe that dog is just kind of getting amped up and overstimulated and ah, just kind of can't handle it. That's a possibility with that one. So three different contexts, three different potential um, solutions. Now, the one that I know has been taken care of very quickly is the one that's the most straightforward, and that's the first one. Barks when one of the owners is in another part of the house. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite behaviors because it's, it's so easy to fix usually so quick, you know, it usually remedies really fast once the owner knows what to do. So I just said, cause and effect. I mean, the dogs, if the dog is doing something, it's because they've just sort of had the experience that it works for them somehow. So if it's not working for them, they're usually not going to continue to do it. So I just had her here, you know, here comes the squirt bottle again. I just had her um, when she's going to another part of the house. As soon as he starts to bark, 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 get back here, get back here, she just flips around and runs towards him and squirts him with the word no and walks away. Cause and effect. She said, but I was told to never tell the dog no. And I've done shows about this also, entire episodes actually, about setting boundaries with dogs, how to do it, why it's important. Don't ever tell your dog no. Hmm. Well, what's the thinking behind that? There's all sorts of explanations that people give as to why. But don't dogs correct each other? Yes. Dog's version of no is a growl, bare their teeth, air snap towards another dog to back them off. Stop humping me. Back away from my bone. Don't try to take my bone. That's no. Um, back away from me, I'm afraid. That's another way. So it, it can be also fear-based. 
we could get those dogs to use squirt bottles. <laughs> they don't need to. <laughs> <Might> be better. <laughs> they don't need to use. Well, yeah, it'd be better than teeth, but they don't need to. They have their way of setting saying boundaries no, right. and saying no. And we, you know, it's not, it's weird for us to try to growl and bare our teeth. That's just not going to land right because that's not natural for us. So we usually need to kind of come up with other ways, you know, and it just, it's not honoring dogs for who they are. So people who just get up in arms about, don't ever tell your dog, no, they're going to think, no, you know, they're going to think that it's, you know, I, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. The world is not all positive. Is there responsibility that comes with corrections? Absolutely. And I'm going to be the first one to talk about that and make sure that the timing is right, that the dog understands that it's that the consequence happens because of what they did um, so that they really know that they have control, actually, of whether it happens or not based off of their choice, which is why it's important to make sure that it's something that the dog has control of versus something for some other reason why, because it's not always appropriate to correct but sometimes it's a difference between being effective and not being effective. And not being effective is damaging. Not being effective in resolving behaviors gets dogs sent back to shelters. And in a lot of cases, all those dogs needed were clear boundaries. So that's just a real quick, uh, quick insight into my opinion on that. So just real matter of fact, go back in. Nope, squirt bottle, go back. So he's like, oh, cause and effect. My barking to demand that my mom get back over to where I am doesn't work for me. So I'm not going to do it. And oftentimes what that gives the dog access to is actually relaxing. Okay, fine. They accept it and then they just relax. Chew on their bone or, you know, whatever. So... I, you know, I heard from them just a couple days later, and they were like, he's not barking anymore for that, you know? And I'll be curious. I see them um, in a couple days again, and I'll be curious to hear how the food prepping and barking when the other Border Collie is playing to kind of see how that's, um, that's still going and uh, they, since they've been feeding him more and all this kind of stuff. So three different contexts with barking, and the answer for each one is different because they're different contexts. Um. I had a, a Shiba Inu puppy. I was just talking to you about that um, yesterday. And they were talking about he was throwing a tantrum because he wanted to go on leash. He wanted to go somewhere on leash that they weren't letting him go. He's throwing a tantrum. And this is a nine-week-old puppy who left his breeder and is now living smack in downtown Seattle. Like downtown. Belltown, if you're in the you know familiar with the city is downtown and he is having a hard time actually going to the bathroom outside at all um, because he's overstimulated and overwhelmed in a big city and that's their only option. So it was not that he was throwing a tantrum like, I want to go over here, I'm mad. He's actually desperate to go to the bathroom. So we actually reconfigured that whole thing. That's a situation that you do not correct a dog for that. You have to understand why the behavior is happening, which is why it's so important that each individual is assessed. Um, so then there's Maddie. The She looks like a Kelpie mix, but I have a hard time believing that she's a Kelpie mix because there just aren't that many Kelpies around, but maybe. So Kelpie is a, like a herding breed. You'll see some Kelpies at the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. It's almost entirely border collies, but there's always a handful of Kelpies that are 
competing as well. They have a similar herding style as Border Collies do. Um, this girl, regardless of what exactly she is, she's definitely a herding breed. She has a, a you know herding breed mix. She has a very strong herding drive. And her, um, I had, I've seen them, you know, maybe two or three times over several years. They'll just kind of get in touch if they're having something that they need some guidance on. And we'll just meet once and then they're good to go for a year or two. And then they get back in touch. Oh, this behavior's developed. They have three dogs. <clears throat> her herding and biting has gotten worse with their teenage son and also strangers. It's gotten to the point where she's actually made contact. She's six years old. Well, that's, you know, what's happened? What's happened so the when a behavior changes, when an older dog starts doing something that they didn't do before or it gets much worse, you know, significantly worse than it was before, there's got to be a reason. So why? What, what happened? Sometimes it's simply a function of age and we just get less tolerant, less able to cope with annoyances in the environment, for example. People are the same way. So sometimes it's just a function of age, but usually it doesn't result in a drastic behavior change. Sometimes it's pain-related, especially in older dogs. But the main one with this one is that she had just had knee surgery in the last year, and I've seen this before. So this is another one to be careful of all for everybody out there who has a dog is that if your dog ends up having to go through some sort of surgery that requires them to be crated or have their um, movement restricted, you know, like crate rest for six weeks kind of thing, I have seen this drive dogs crazy. And they actually, it's almost like traumatizing in a way. And that would make sense. Like they're so pent up and cooped up that they're just, they don't even know what to do with themselves. And that frustration and lack of constructive outlet for their energy does not result in desirable behaviors. So for her, I, I couldn't even talk to them about correcting the behavior because she was just like out of her mind. Just, ah, it's very, very, it's, this is a strong drive, herding dog, smart, you know, high need for that constructive outlet of mental energy, et cetera, et cetera. They, um, so we did, uh, I just worked her. I did puzzles with her. So it was all for fun. Puzzles, the, you know, the, the poker box thing made by Trixie Dog I talked about, the spin the bottle thing, which they actually bought one and went home with it. Um, that's a homemade one. So I can't help you out on that one. But Trixie Dog makes one that's kind of like it. It's got three little canisters that are all on a pole and you can just spin them around. Um, ours just broke because dogs end up getting kind of rough with it. But you can kind of look at how that's structured and maybe, you know, make one yourself or have someone who's handy make one for you. Um, I just, as we were talking, I just was working her the whole time. All for fun. All positive. No corrections. Did nose work. Did the, the, the games, the different games. And by the end of the lesson, she was so, that dog was smiling through her eyes it was amazing. And I was able to kind of like get a little playful with her and kind of like, you know, juke around a little bit with my body and my hands. And, you know, she was just kind of looking at me with these like soft, smiling eyes. And they were like, I can't believe she's not barking at you as you're doing this. And this is after, you know, close to an hour of solid mental work. And so to see the dog soften 
and to see that clear happiness and, and almost gratitude of like, oh my God, that felt so good. Thank you. It feels good to be understood. And then, you know, to send them home with that, they went home with one of those, you know, like I said, one of those bottle games and they enrolled her in a nose work class. So I'm super psyched about that. That I believe is, was the root of her, her behavior and, you have to first make sure that you're meeting your dog's needs fundamentally before you try to work on, you know, correcting a behavior, like I said, with Piper. Like the reason why she was motivated to jump onto that other part of the couch was because she, it was one of the few ways that she was able to be smart and experience her intelligence. So we've got to make sure that we give them that constructive outlet and that energy has a place to go so that she, their dogs are not pent up and frustrated or feeling desperate because in those situations corrections won't work and they can actually make it worse so you have to know what you're doing each dog is a different individual and then there's quinn and he's an eight-year-old shepherd husky mix his owner adopted him two years ago as an older dog which i just love a little shout out to old dog haven um Moved to Seattle, became reactive to almost everything. I mean, the wheels just fell off for this poor guy. Previous humans that he lived with, because she adopted him as a six-year-old, I think, or maybe an eight, maybe he was a little bit older, brought him to the shelter because they wanted to get a puppy. Now, I'm not supposed to swear on air, so I won't. <laughs> Eric gave me the thumbs up for that. <laughs> But I, I want was to, Eric. Actually, just lining up towards the dump button here, oh, just in good. case. But, <laughs> no, I understand your frustration. That's that let seems it, like a let crazy that profanity rip right now. Crazy attitude. Who does that? They're not cars. You don't get to trade them in. Right. D- I mean, I can't even. And people, anyone who's listening to this show, is probably on the same page with me. I, you know, whatever. So anyway, not to, you know, whatever. I can't even. So for this guy, he's old, old guy, and he's really, really, really struggling. So the first thing I really talked, kind of looked in, and I'm running out of time here. I could do, and I probably will do, in a full show on this, on senior dogs. Medical, 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 medical. What caused him, you know, what is going on with this dog? Flea medication, what kind of food is he eating? These things all needed to be adjusted no, flea, no chemical flea medication. It's a neurotoxin, causes hyperexcitation of nerve cells. Not good for reactive dogs, dogs with anxiety, dogs who are struggling with behavior. I don't recommend it for any dogs. You know, it's fine to put on your dog, but don't touch it. Might cause miscarriage in pregnant women. Oh, okay, well, how does that work? Because dogs are mammals too. What kind of food is he eating? He's eating a low-quality food. Let's get him off of processed food. Check his thyroid. That's one that can impact behavior. Is he in pain, arthritis, back pain? Does he need to see Dr. Nels? Does he need to go to an orthopedic specialist? Or does he have uh, hip dysplasia, that kind of thing? And then mostly that guy, I think, is, was really a candidate for medication. And there is a time and place for medication for dogs to help them. And with that, I will leave you, and I will look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.